Welcome to Kiss and Tell, where we discuss modern media and culture and how we fundamentally believe the world of advertising and media is shifting based on technology, digital, social, and user behavior. So join me and my guests and what that means, why it matters, and what we should be doing now. I'm your host, Blake Markey. What's going on, Todd? How are you? Welcome back. Kiss and tell. Here we are, rocking, rocking out on Halloween. I know, it's very spooky. Todd's dressed as a... Um, Blake. I'm dressed as Blake. <laughs> pirate. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to adjust the microphone for a second. That's the noise you hear. Sorry uh, about a that. It's crickety bed or something crickety like that. old, rickety, Halloween-y bed. We've been playing um, crazy Halloween music in the office all day. It's so awesome. I know, the Michael nice. Myers Halloween stuff and then... Um, Nightmare Before Christmas, and it gets you so in the mood. And the weather's all sort of cloudy. Yeah, I know. It's going to rain. It's like every year when we were growing up, always rained on Halloween. Yeah. And it looks like it hasn't rained in LA in probably... 16 years. Yeah, 16 years. It's going to, it's going to <laughs> rain in about five minutes. Wait, where did you grow up? New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. I'm Jersey. So we had the East yeah. Coast sort of cold Halloween. Or when your mom would make you put on the puffy jacket over the outfit because it was like 35 degrees and completely ruined the whole thing. Yeah, shoot. The worst. You're like 16 layers. Yeah, what's the point? I must well stay in and stuff my face with Twizzlers. But now I feel bad for all the uh, the parents that have to walk their kids around the LA rain. No one's, no one's makeup's know. ready for that. I know. Oh my God. So we don't even know where to begin because we have so many topics, but we're going to try to pare it down to just the good ones. Yeah, we've been gone for, <laughs> for a couple of weeks now, so there's a lot happening. I know. Um, I, I but know. Todd, I wanted, because I know you're a big fan of uh, Netflix, but... Yeah. What's up with this Kevin Spacey stuff? Okay, so let me just quickly pull my soapbox over here. Here's the deal. I don't want to get into the details of specifically what did or did not happen. I think it's horrible and I think it's terrible. I think the backlash that occurred that I saw yesterday, the backlash I saw was that Kevin Spacey was using the the issue that had been acute, he had been accused of to come out of the closet. And there's a couple things wrong with that for, from where I'm sitting. Number one, the issue of turning it to be about yourself is a challenge. And number two, it also equates being gay with making a, that okay, making that okay with like potential alleged pedophilia. And those things are not really related. And so what I saw sort of in social was the explosion and I think, and this is very much a part of our modern media culture, which is the way Kevin Spacey responded to the issue at hand blew up and made it much, much worse and made it much, much worse for him. And the meme that I saw going around was, was Kevin Spacey's statement with all the other crap sort of crossed out and just the, I'm sorry, it was horrible kind of thing. Yeah, you kind of admitted to it to a certain extent. Or he was like, I don't remember it, but if I did it, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then he came out, but yeah. he, he was already like out of the closet. I didn't, I didn't think he was. Well, I mean, in- I'm a, I'm a gay man and I can tell you that we've all sort of known that yeah. for years and it sort of wasn't an issue, issue or a non-issue. It didn't really matter to me because everyone's decisions are their own. Staying in implies some sort of, you know, shame, which I personally don't like, but also it gets to the whole individual choice kind of thing. But the relating it to a much larger 
issue. And and look, this this is not the normal topic we talk about here on, on Kiss and Tell, but if you look at the goings-on of the past you know month or even the past year, sexual misconduct has really been on our radar as a culture and as a yeah. society. And when you look at social media, you look how Alyssa Milano used Twitter with the whole Me Too hashtag to say, look, there's a lot of women that have been impacted by this kind of behavior. It becomes a social media issue that needs to be discussed and addressed. And so there's an upside to the to some of the bad things. The upside is that this stuff gets talked about more and people can become more visible and lend their voice to an issue that they feel is important to them. Whereas if you flash back 20 years ago, the whole concept of a hashtag on Twitter didn't exist, right? And so people couldn't necessarily lend their voice to an issue. So. Um, what's awesome about social platforms is also what's horrible about it, which is it brings topics that we're uncomfortable with into full, full light. You wouldn't have the volume of people to reach or have like the, the, your, your fan base yeah. know what you're, you're coming out as and talking about. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, you go back and even the thing I was kind of shaken by, was like, okay, uh, he was 26 years old, you know, that was 20 years ago, 30 yeah, years ago, I forget like what it said. And it's, it's, it's kind of nuts that it took this long. But additionally, I think it's also interesting now that like maybe this type of behavior happens in other communities as well, not just heterosexual people. That's right. That's right. And I actually think that the, the behavior happens more frequently than we wish it did. It's, it's sort of like the complaint about how on Facebook you see all these horrible videos of either terrorism or animals being mistreated or like forests being cut down. And how the world is getting so much worse. But the issue is not that the world is getting worse or better necessarily. The issue is that it's just more visible now. So there's a visibility factor of social platforms that have forced us all to see what's really going on. And while it's painful, it also brings to me personally tremendous hope. You know, I think back to being in high school and being like the gay kid with nowhere to turn. And I look now and there's like it gets better videos on YouTube. And there's a whole not that life is is hard is easy for anybody right but the social has really created the opportunity to form communities and have your voice heard and feel less alone and i think that idea to feel less alone is probably one of the most important things social has ever done that or expose the people who are bad yeah so it's like maybe you know you less alone but also like hey this this person's a yeah a d yeah and uh and you know you Social media, and I hate the phrase social even because it's like it's so much more than social. It's digital media or digital platforms. If you just look at at sort of presidential politics and presidential goings on over the past year, Twitter in particular, but all social has really dominated our lives in terms of how the president of this country communicates. And whether you love it or hate it is sort of besides the point. The point of it is, is that social media has become the often the driver of the news cycle. You turn on ABC News in the morning and one of the lead stories will always be this is what the president tweeted and here's the fallout or here's the backlash and it's been a little bit disheartening if you happen to disagree with the president on any issue it feels like oh if he tweets it people think it's true and over the past week with some of the things that have occurred in terms of indictments and those kind of things um, it was a little bit of a relief to say okay regardless of what the word is on social there are still people trying to figure out the facts and the truth and again this is not political if there's something that was done and someone is guilty of that penalty should be paid if they're not guilty and that's discovered then that's fine too but what i what i've sort of realized about social is that it has forced all of us to pay more attention and to try to decide for ourselves what do we believe is true and how do we dig deeper to find the truth 
Yeah. And we were, I mean, we were having this, the same exact conversation yesterday and how literally the, the president is being recorded talking about grabbing a woman and he is still elected. And I, I wonder if everything that has like unfolded in the past three months, would he still been elected be, yeah. you know, after hearing that? Because I feel like that the movement that has unfolded in the, you know, in the past few weeks is, is remarkable. So yeah. it's, it's poor timing, but um, I think it had to happen at yeah. some point. Yeah. I, I always think that there's an upside to, to something that's perceived as negative. And I think the upside to this is people are going to be forced to have to dig a little deeper to find out the stories for themselves, what's going on, and feel more strongly about their point of view. Because if not, you see all the stuff that may be going on social platforms and you think, God, am I crazy? Am I the only one who sees how nuts this is? And you have to, you have to get stronger in your own character to say, look, I know what's true. I know what I believe. And um, I cannot be swayed necessarily by lies that may or may not be coming out from either party, you know, depending on sort of where, where your political winds blow. Um, having the character of your convictions to figure out what is the truth and digging until you find the truth. That to me is a huge upside that we're all being forced. And you look at the newspaper reporting, Washington Post and New York Times tend to lead that. But, uh, but I have seen a stronger voice come out of both of those papers, both of those publications. I also see it coming out of MSNBC and CNN and, um, not Fox news. Well, you know, we generally are nonpartisan on, on kiss and tell, but, um, I consider, you know, Fox news to largely be a talk show. Yeah. So it's sure, you know, the thing I'll tell you about Fox news is they really have really good customer insights. You know what I'm saying? They know what their audience needs and wants and, and, and they, they give it to them and they give it to them. And so, you know, kudos to them for having a good market research department. What do you think happens with Kevin from here? Oh yeah. so the whole Netflix thing. So anyway, Coincidentally, somewhere along the same day, yesterday, I suppose it was, Monday, um, Netflix said the upcoming season six is the last season of House of Cards. And they said that was in the plan anyway. And this, yeah. what occurred, made them just say, just answer that question. And, you know, that's fine. Six seasons is fine. We're all watching other stuff too now anyway. Hello, Stranger Things. But uh, yeah, it makes me a little bit sad because now House of Cards is tainted for me personally. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think, I think it affects a little bit of even the Netflix brand some. Yeah. But it just shows how fragile that 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 world is right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like um, when, we, when we talk with clients about managing social platforms, there's this, there's this like one side of you wants to be bold and creative and say strong things and have a point of view. And then the other half of you is somewhat petrified, client, whether you're on the client side or the agency side, because... If you do one thing wrong that you don't perceive as being like somehow insensitive and, and when you're working on this stuff, you don't always see it and it goes viral in a negative way and then you just can't shut it down yeah. and you just hope it goes away. Um, and you, you know, you have rapid response teams and you figure out ways to manage ahead of time. You should plan for all that stuff, but it's a little bit frightening how quickly stuff can get picked up and how quickly things can spread. And I mean, what's, what's kind of interesting is something that came out the other day you know, if you put that into context, should Netflix be running these PSA commercials where Burger King stepped in and yeah. they did, they recently did a, a TV spot around bullying. And the, the, the premise of the spot is that the employees are 
bullying a Whopper, punching it, not serving it to the consumer properly. But in tandem to that, the people who are getting these burgers are witnessing uh, kids bullying each other within yeah. the store. Yeah. And the connection they make is that 90% of the people reported the Whopper was was beaten up and looked terrorized, but only like 10% of the people actually said something uh, or tried to stop the bullying that yeah. was going on. And I don't know, I'd be interested to hear your opinion, thought on that. If, if What place does Burger King have to, to make a statement on bullying? Because it's not like they have a history. Yeah, well, so there's a couple things I'll say on that. The first one is in today's heightened political environment, I think brands, I think a lot of consumers are expecting their brand to have a point of view on an issue. And I go back to the 84 lumber ad from the uh, Super Bowl this past year right. about the border wall and, and um, you know, that's an indirect connection, but the one that they, I think they did a pretty good job of doing and Burger King, I mean, Burger King's, Burger King's ad or, or sorry, sorry, PSA is a really clever way of looking at bullying and it really, it really works. And the percentage different is difference is crazy. And if you look at the category of fast food or casual food, casual dining, Wendy's, Taco Bell, Burger King, even Denny's, I think there's, there's so much social um, activity happening in that category for, for whatever reason, um, fast food and casual food have become a really explosive category for social activity. Look at, look at all the Chipotle work over the past few years. Um, you know, back to the start short film, gone yeah. a ton of attention. Some of the other follow-up short films all about natural products. And over the recent year or two, you know, Chipotle has been overshadowed by some of their food issues, but, um, put that, put that to aside for a second. They've, they've invested a ton of money and ton of effort to create content for social. So I think it's a combination of having publishing platforms at the ready and having um, customers who expect brands to take a point of view, taking a point of view or taking a position on something uh, tends to get attention and also maybe do some good. Yeah. And so here we are talking about bullying because of Burger King. Do you remember, uh, do you remember what they did last year, Burger King? No. With uh, World Peace Day where do they you, wanted to... I don't recall. Go they ahead. they. They extended the olive branch to McDonald's oh, to yes. make the, uh, oh, yeah. the McWhopper. <laughs> Brilliant. But also very so similar, good. similar brief, right? Yeah. Like take on, take on something bigger than the brand in itself. Yeah. And, and how does that come about? And it, it, I think it was good, two good executions. I'm, I'm really curious to see what the follow-up is. Yeah. The PSA that they did. But, um, I was talking to one of the creative directors here and I was like, how are they going to close the loop on this one? Yeah. Because it, it felt a little, it ended a little wonky towards the end. Yeah. But um, as a as a marketer, creative, I, I kind of saw through that a little bit. But you know, I think for the general public, it it had the had the power. Yeah. And the message that it needed. Well, you know, it's interesting. We did that. We did. We at Mistress did the um, the PSA for the Give the Talk initiative a few months back, and we'll embed it in the in the copy. The, the Give the Talk initiative was about how children are learning about sex edu uh, sex education, mostly from porn because of online and streaming and all that kind of stuff. And the whole message was, you know, parents talk to your kids before porn, the porn industry does. And it was delivered by a porn star, Monique Alexander. You know, it's pretty impactful in terms of the message being delivered by the person who might be the person in the video. And what, when we talk internally to the creative team, the concept of the spot and the production team, what they were really jazzed about is taking their their creativity and doing something good with it. 
because we spend so much effort trying to build business, build brands and build businesses for clients and, and do all that. But is there a way to take it and say, okay, I'm going to allocate a percentage of my brain and my heart to something that, that doesn't have revenue associated with it, but would change the world um, or potentially change the world. And, you know, we got upwards of like half a million views or something, something crazy. Yeah, it got a lot of interest. Um, yeah, great. so I feel like if that just um, made just a little bit of difference for a couple of people, it's totally worth it. And so having a point of view, I think, is pretty mandatory at this, this stage that we're at, late 2017. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's actually getting some uh, on some award lists right now. So we're going to find out in the next few months where we uh, end up with that. But I think it was successful in the shows. Yeah, we shall so see. That's going to be, uh, that's yeah. also going to be awesome. We shall see. We shall see. So yeah, so um, related to the whole Netflix thing, this week was another busy week for a lot of Netflix's competitors because of Q3 earnings. Oh God, yeah. But what's really, really interesting, hold on, I'm going to pull them up because I have them right here. So what's really tough is trying to figure out who's doing well with media versus other things, especially if you look at like Google or Alphabet, I should say, because Alphabet is so many different businesses and Amazon is so many different businesses. And what is really interesting is Amazon, when they were going through their details, they actually, I think they broke a billion dollar ad business for the quarter for the first time. And Amazon isn't traditionally an advertising business. But um, if you look on the, if you're ever on their site and you see all the affiliate links and you multiply that times the scale of the world, they're actually growing a lot of things quite nicely. Then you look at Alphabet and Alphabet hit, um, I think it's 28 billion in Q3 revenue, which wow. is huge across everything. But they cited a couple of areas. They cited YouTube being a big deal for them in terms of growth and also um, I think it was mobile. We're actually doing a, uh, a fairly big media buy on Amazon. Fantastic. And it's it's kind of remarkable because of the data they end up giving you in yeah. return as well. So I'm really curious to see how, how that rolls out. Yeah. Okay. So did you see the Walmart news this week? It's totally related to that. Walmart um, came out. It was either this week or last week. There was a couple of articles where they talked about how they're, they want to rethink a little bit like a media company because they realize that they have similar data that Amazon does. And the thing that Walmart has that Amazon doesn't is real brick and mortar locations. Yeah. And if you think about the power of brick and mortar, brick and mortar was so out of fashion starting around like 98, 99 through even now. And if you look at any story about malls and the death of malls and blah, blah, blah. And, and I think the death of malls is because the mall experience isn't fun, not because of people aren't shopping. But if you look at Walmart, Walmart has these brick and mortars and they're saying, hold on a second, brick and mortar is hugely powerful and a huge competitive advantage that we have. Let's try to leverage that. And so they're starting to think about uh, the conversion funnel. How do we drive people in store? Oh, we already own the store and we already have the data. So yeah, the, the power of brick and mortar is actually quite interesting. I was just listening to a lecture actually in the person speaking was referencing Victoria's Secrets as an, an L oh brands as a brand that is dropping the ball so hard on collecting consumer data. Yeah. And the idea of an app versus a brick and mortar and scaling from, you know, two stores to a hundred stores to a thousand stores and it just becomes a whole big logistical nightmare. And his thing was that Amazon isn't necessarily totally against brick and mortar and that experience isn't bad. It's always going to exist. You know, he, he equated to your, when your kid wants to get a suit or when you need to get out of the house and you can't shop through your phone, you know, like it's an experience that isn't going to die necessarily. It's just going to change. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have like best in class malls 
that are destinations. I mean, you know, the promenade down on Santa Monica is a beautiful example. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a place to go and hang out, eat and have an experience. But it was funny that cause the big sleeper that I think where where Walmart bought jet.com yeah. for all the online buying and all on purchasing and stuff like that is Amazon's prime. And the question is like, why do you own it? And a lot of people are like, Oh, cause of free shipping. It's not free shipping. You're, you're paying 10 bucks a month. Yep. And you're paying for the convenience not to go to a Sears or a shitty target and get in your car. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's that, that there is in and of itself. The reason you, you own prime is cause you're, you're so sick of going to these places. Yeah. I, I did traffic, um, busy days, waiting in line, parking. It's just all of it to me is such a negative experience. My whole psychological profile for shopping, especially for clothes now, um, is I use the brick and mortar location as the mental um, acknowledgement of that's how I can return it quickly without paying return shipping if I need yeah. to. Because it's tough to find, like uh, like Levi's jeans, for example. They don't. They only have one location here in Santa Monica now. They don't have one over you know toward, further east in LA. They, there was used to be one in either West Hollywood or Beverly Hills, and it closed. And so now my whole like logic flow is, oh, I'll just buy a bunch of stuff. And then the next time I'm over here, I'll return them if they don't fit. And then the hope is that they fit. So I've used in store, I've used brick and mortar as a psychological um, sort of point of, of being able to make the purchase. Right. Shoes are another great example. If you buy a pair of kicks and you're just like, oh, if they don't fit, I'll just return them to the store. I'll just make the trip. And then half the time they fit and you're fine. That's funny. I've had, I've had experiences that when I go get shoes and then they don't have my size. And I'm like, okay, I'm a lost customer. Yeah. Right. So it's also a tricky thing with the yeah. brick and mortar of, yeah. of stuff so, like that. Like yeah. same with Levi's. Like yeah. I go in there and like, okay, you know, 32, 32. It's impossible. They don't have it. No, yeah. Everyone no. has that size. So no. <laughs> no, I've always, I've always, and I'll get on my high horse, like in like a J crew or something or a store cooler than J crew crew too. And you'll go in and you'll be like, they'll have 50 extra, extra smalls, 50 extra, extra L's and no smalls and mediums. And I'll be like, where are the smalls and mediums? Like, oh yeah, we sold out. I'm like, yeah, but who's making these product inventory decisions, you know, to ship all these sizes? And, I, and I've been exposed to the back end of retail. I know how it works. I know it's very complicated, but I've seen that for my whole life. There's like 50 XXL sitting there and no mediums and they miss a sale very often because of that. But online you can They'll never find, miss it. find the size. Yeah. I also, yeah, so I was also reading from, uh, from this other article that for all 40% of all online retail growth right now is being captured by Amazon. Are you kidding me? Which is, which is pretty insane as well. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So I guess there was all this criticism about Jeff Bezos and like crunching, crunching the margins so tight. And I think this last quarter he just, he has no respect for the street really. Yeah. And he was like, all right, you guys want to see profits? Here's profits. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, it's something that we touched on quite a bit. He's able to to dial certain things up and certain things back to make the numbers look as, as good as they are. Yeah. They're so diversified as yeah. a company. Because I think he's always thinking about 10 years later or something. His investments now, like it says here, uh, on re according to Recode, it's, it is a profit. And it's not a huge one, but it's 10 quarters in a row of profit margin which is great yeah. um, for Amazon. And he's always you know, said that the, it's all about investing for the future, but if he had never invested in Amazon Web Services, which is a billion dollar business now, you know, they wouldn't have that. And for every miscalculation, like the Fire Phone, 
there's the web services or there's like the new stuff that they talked about. They launched either last week or this week. That's for sale in early November, the whole Amazon key and the, and the home camera, which Blake and I were talking before the podcast. We both are definitely getting the, the home <laughs> camera for sure. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, we had we had a survey here at the office who would who would put an Amazon key on their install an Amazon key at their house and it was massively mixed. Like, do you want an Amazon employee coming into yeah. your house or opening your door and yeah. putting a package in? Yeah. Well, they say no if you have pets. They say if you have pets that can access the front door, don't do it. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That makes but sense. still, I think That's it's good. a do you trust the person going well, into your house? It's like, the, like it's like the New York um, doorman model. Like in New York, if you have a you know, the whole thing in New York is, is an elevator doorman building kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, if you have a doorman who can accept packages for you, it's great. And it's like having a virtual concierge. But even the um, the cloud cam by itself is revolutionary. Just like you can set up a little home camera and it just connects to your Wi-Fi and streams to an app on your phone. And you can see what's going on. So if you have little doggies or kitties in the middle of the day, <laughs> you can just check to see what are they really up to. I've always wondered what the animals are doing when we're not there. Like, are they playing poker? What are they doing? Yeah, they're just hanging out. They're just hanging out. Are they watching Netflix? Are they watching Stranger Things? Because every time I turn on Stranger Things, there's like another video, like like stuff you recently watched. I'm like, I didn't watch that. So either the- You're sharing your password with too many people. Either I'm sharing my password with too many people, which I'm definitely not doing, I don't think, unless I'm still- or the pets are watching TV. That's funny. Um, I actually even think part of the reasons why I've, I've only, I've had jobs is so I can get packages delivered to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You have an office. Okay, good. How, okay. Yeah. I need some pack. I need some shoes to deliver I'll be there at 10 to pick them up. That's awesome. Um, yeah. If you think about the, um, the first generation of innovation happening on top of internet connectivity, you know, you think of the smartphone and, and the iPhone uh, it really was the first time that a device was built on top of that platform to really bring right. us all together at scale that worked and became a huge thing and changed the world. And now I think if you look at the cloud cam and if you look at like um, the Amazon Echo Show and, and some of the other devices that are being built, whether it's Nest or whether it's other things, there's this model of build it, connect it, and then use an app to manage it. And that's where I think that Amazon's going with the Amazon key is they're thinking of new things to try based on the idea that you always will be connected and you always have a device to which you can interface with. And I think now is just the beginning of the innovation that we're about to see. I think Alexa, Siri, and OK Google, those types of platforms are the next fundamental change to everything. We're just not used to it yet. And I mean, it's interesting if you think of, if you think of those three that you just mentioned that the one that really makes sense to me is Amazon because I'm able to shop through it much easier. Yeah. I already have an existing relationship with the brand. I'm already paying 10 bucks in prime. So why not just keep it in the system? So it's like, I, for me, it's like, okay, we have, we have enough tech on us. The phone is all we need in our pocket. The watch kind of, you know, for, for one reason or another kind of works for some people, but it's definitely not the catalyst. And I think for them just kind of playing around with the door, you know, how you enter your house, how you get things delivered. Like that's a small thing, but it, you know, it's very mass in yeah. that sense. So it's an interesting way to see how they could come into it further in your life and, yeah. like, and, and make, and make, and disrupt the change of your, your normal day. Yeah. But that's super interesting. Yeah. And as marketers, it's, um, there's always opportunities to reach people. And I think we also haven't begun to scratch the surface. Yeah. I mean, if you, let's, let's put it this way. If, if you, ha- it's like a new mailbox. Yep. You know, does Amazon all of a sudden have access to your door? Can they start dropping off pamphlets? Can they drop off samples? Exactly. Did a Starbucks just like launch a new drink in that area? Can they go test it? You know, who knows right. where it could go? It could be, 
you could get little gifts. Who knows? You know, it could be it could be quite a massive sampling uh, initiative as well, right? And then if you think you're connected on Prime, you could follow up with a survey. Did you like this product? It's insane. It's talk it's, about marketing. That that that's media that they have. I uh, I I just think that uh, I think Amazon isn't always first with everything, but they tend to get it right eventually, and they also tend to experiment a heck of a lot, and. You know, we wrote about this on our Medium account maybe six or eight months ago, the whole Amazon drone yeah. delivery service, and it's not widespread. It's like not even a beta. It's like a test. And who knows whether it's one year, five years, 20 years, or never down the road, but the fact is it's definitely never if you don't try. Yeah, and that, if nothing else, it was an awesome commercial for him because I think everyone in the world saw it. Yeah. I, I don't know who I was having this conversation with. Maybe it was with you. Um, we were talking about... Um, the idea of a founder of a company versus a CEO of a company. And that sometimes the founder and the CEO are sort of the same role. Like Jeff Bezos is both. And sometimes the founder plays more of a visionary role while a CEO or a COO, like I think of like Mark Zuckerberg and, and Cheryl at Facebook, like someone needs to keep the visionary sort of a spark alive about where they're headed, but someone needs to run the business and they're very different skills. And so you look at Amazon, Amazon is that rare beast, which somehow Jeff is both of those things. Both of those things are doing, appear to be doing well. And um, he's got a team behind him. I know that work incredibly hard, but I, I find him to be unique in the world right now in the world yeah. of business. Yeah. I mean, I don't think many people like him exist if, no. if any. I, they might have, must have quite the insurance policy on his health. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Hey, Jeff, stay healthy. <laughs> well, he's looking, he's looking better than ever. Yeah, he is. So, you know, and, you know, Blake and I often joke that we should just email Jeff because his email is public and just tell him what we think. I've complained before and, and uh, some regional VP wrote me back. <laughs> it's okay, man. They sent me like something that was the size of like a deck of cards. I don't remember what I ordered. but it As was like, like a, a gift or just a... I ordered something and uh, it was like the size. I don't remember what it was, but it was like that. And they put it in a giant box wow. with all this stuffing. So I took a pic and I emailed it to Jeff at Amazon.com. And I was like, yo, you know, this is just really wasteful for the environment and for your bottom line. You should just package it differently. It doesn't even need the box. It's not breakable. And someone wrote me back and said, hey, thanks for, thanks for the comment. We're going to um, look into that and changing up our packaging. That's funny. Yeah, Amazon. They did great. And then, yeah, Google also did, did really well. Again, we taking up the majority of online uh, ad sales. So we'll continue to see these guys continue to pave the way. It's crazy. And there was, there was another nugget sort of in that world, which was as Amazon and Google Alphabet were, were growing and, and hitting revenue numbers and Netflix did a really great job a couple of weeks back, even Twitter, um, I believe they beat their earnings by a little bit and they grew even though I think they had a revenue decline slightly still. Like and they, and they still fessed not, up with all the bots. Oh yeah. And they fessed up with the monthly active users. Oh, they're not all real. Actually, actually it's pretty legit that I could see that mistake happening from yeah. third parties being logged in. It's, it's not unheard of that, that that occurred. But what I found really fascinating is at the same time, there's lots of cable companies that are reporting poorer numbers like Comcast of the world. Mm -hmm. And what's happening with the way people consume shows and consume entertainment and connect with each other is having a real material impact, which is why Disney's launching um, their streaming services, one for movies and one for sports. It's why ESPN's not doing well because people are not watching the way they used to. It's, everyone's like, oh, the NFL ratings are down. 
so down. But if you look at overall ratings for linear TV, they're down more. So NFL is actually down less than the average. Yeah. And, you know, you can chalk it up to cord cutting, but I think you can also chalk it up to like, we're so busy, like on our phones or listening to podcasts. It's just so much more choice right now that, um, yeah, like this podcast that, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. I find myself, you know, second screening like, uh, yesterday, half the evening away and stranger things is on pause and I'm scrolling through looking at the political news of the day because it was a very big day politically. And, uh, I ended up not watching it because I was too busy reading articles and and that's just me. And I know that's how everyone else is. You had a similar thing this weekend as well. Yeah. Speaking of cord cutting, another thing that's affecting people right now and kind of hot, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more about in coming episodes, but I still want to touch base on it today because it's something that that that's interesting to me. So you cut our cords and we ditch our cars. Yeah. Is this the whole autonomous driving yeah. topic? And I know you just published an article. Uh, Mags did. Maggie did. Maggie did. Yeah. No. Um, so I think what we should do is we should do the Rachel Maddow approach to this. So the Rachel Maddow approach, do you ever listen to her or watch her? And if you're a political person on the right and you haven't, that's okay too. Um, but the Rachel Maddow approach to her broadcast and also her podcast, which is her broadcast recorded, is that she'll, she doesn't always know the answer, but she'll ask a lot of questions and she'll ask a lot of pointed and smart questions. Should we really be thinking of it this way? And so I think the conversation on autonomous driving or ditching our cars altogether Blake, you and I don't have the answers. Nobody does. Elon Musk is talking about digging tunnels. Will that happen? I don't know. Anything that make traffic better in LA and other cities would be fine by me. I'll take it. Sign me up. But while we don't have all the answers, we can certainly ask the questions. And the biggest one I wanted to chat with you about was what happens to us when we're no longer paying attention to the road? Like, is it more like a train ride where we're working on computers? And because the car has Wi-Fi now, right? The newer cars have Wi-Fi. And, you know, basically you can hook up your laptop and work. And if so, oh, here's my biggest thing. Like, should there be anti-nausea technology built <laughs> into automobiles? Because I don't know about you, but I can't even read a receipt in a car without feeling like I'm going to yak. So, yeah. you know, how am I going to be on my computer if some car is driving for me? I can't right now. It can be like a Las Vegas casino just I, like pumping in like fresh oxygen for maybe, you. Maybe. Or maybe there's a co-branded Dramamine partnership. I mean, Dramamine should be all over this stuff. <laughs> Um, Ford technology with driving. No, but seriously, anti. You know, you have you have anti-lock brakes. You have accident avoidance technology now. Why couldn't you have anti-nausea technology? Yeah, I, that's easy. Because basically, as I understand it, it's when your ears detect a movement that's not matching what your eyes are seeing, and that's when you start getting out of it in car. Got shit. it. So. Um, I am prone to car sickness. Me too. It's the worst. And it lasts forever now. Um, But yeah, they were saying that speaking of what you're just touching on using your computer, the average commute is 44 minutes round trip. Yeah. So each way or round trip, 44 minutes or 22. Oh, okay. Got it. But so there's the assumption that you might actually spend half of that time on your, on your smartphone or on a device. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, there's another content opportunity right there. So yeah. like internet companies and um, um, content creators and stuff like that will have more opportunities to capture a viewer. Yeah. Which I well, think is kind of interesting. So what is really, really interesting about that is I think you're really right. So when I'm driving in, the, the screen in the car will know that like if I'm in drive and it won't let me engage with certain things, like it will only let me read, it will read text to me, but it won't let me like read it. And because it's got like um, Apple CarPlay. Yeah. 
And, but my phone doesn't know the difference. So my phone let me do everything. So if I'm in gridlock, I will read as everyone does. I mean, I look around and people are like, everyone's looking at their phone, you know, everyone's breaking the law basically. Um, who was I talking to? Someone said they saw some old dude, like actually have a real newspaper in traffic. Like he was so old school and just accepted the traffic. He had brought like the LA times or something in the car with him and was awesome. reading it. It's awesome. Um, cutting out articles, <laughs> clipping coupons. sending them to his kids. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, personally, I think that, um, there, there's an opportunity there around, um, location-based targeting, I think, I think personally, there's also just things that the car can do very differently. Like cars are designed for an error of yesterday where the engine's in the front. And even if you look at cars now that are battery powered, like Tesla or the Chevy Bolt, um, they still have front ends that look like air intakes, even though you don't need them yeah. because that's the way cars are designed. Yeah. And um, if you look at old boats from the 70s and 60s with the giant front ends for these massive V8 engines, the trunk has, I mean, the um, hood has since shrunk a lot as the engines have sort of become more compact and more efficient. Um, but I think cars are still designed based on how they were used, are used, and not how they will be used. We haven't broken that yet. But a bunch of industries are getting uh, disrupted by the potential shift in cars yeah. uh, being completely automated from hotels to parking lots to gas stations, even real estate, law enforcement. Yeah. There's a bunch of different um, things that are going to get affected by that. And then one of the big ones was insurance. Oh, oh yeah. Because I think it was like something like 90% of car accidents are human error. Yeah. So you might not have that anymore. It could be a much safer place to... Uh, to live so well all the, all the sense sense um the sense uh sensors yeah i'm um, around the car like i noticed in my car the other day i was drifting and it pushed me back in the lane it freaked me out because i'm yeah, you were mentioning that that's crazy oh did i mention yeah and uh i think there's uh, smarter I think, than you todd it, well that's not really hard um <laughs> they're we're going to keep talking about autonomous cars and autonomous driving. And the reason is, is because you have to keep digging into it to understand it. And we don't fully understand it. I don't know anyone who does. And so I think we need to keep talking about this on a regular basis to try to get our heads around what it means and, and how it's going to change the world. Cause I think it is. Yeah. And I think Amazon's going to be next. It's going to deliver people instead of packages. Yeah. yeah. I'll get an Amazon car in a heartbeat. That'd be awesome. Comes with your packages. Sure. But, uh, all right guys, this is a great kiss and tell, uh, Todd, as always, you the bomb. You the bomb. <laughs> bye bomb. Bye. All right, bye. Here at Kiss and Tell, we appreciate the support from our listeners. You can learn more about us at Mr. Stud Agency. Subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes Store. Or learn more about modern media culture at medium.com front slash mistress agency.